We're going to look for a moment at a very familiar story, but I don't want you to get caught up. By the way, when I say story, you understand it is historically that this has happened. You know, this is not a fairy tale. Uh, this is history and has been recorded for us to strengthen and to help us. But a lot of times when we come across a, a miracle of Jesus that we fall into uh, kind of a rut. We've heard this before. We've heard this before. I want to encourage you and uh, to not fall into that as you read through Scripture. And uh, the Lord is, uh, and I've preached this and, uh, several times before. And uh, just studying again uh, for today, uh, as I was combing through some things, the Lord was like, hey, did, didn't you notice this the first time? or the second time, and there's always something that the Lord feeds you and gives you just a little more. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter number 14, and let us look for just a moment at verse number 12 to start with. It says, And the disciples came and took up the body and buried it. Now, what body are they talking about? They're talking about John the Baptist. He was just beheaded. And uh, I like the first verse of chapter 14 as well, because it says, at the, at the time, Herod, the Tetrarch, heard the fame of Jesus. I like that little word, fame. I'd really never noticed that before when I was reading through Scripture, that the fame of Jesus, we talk about people that are famous, and the fame, and I started looking at that little word, fame, it simply means that people speak of. And uh, as others have begun to speak of this man called Jesus, the word had caught the ear and he certainly was noticed as those around. Let me encourage you. And the scripture tells us if we'll lift him up, he will draw all men to himself. And, uh, and, and there's a new philosophy out there. And I don't mean to get on a soapbox, but I'm going to jump on it for just a minute. A lot of times we want to do games and gadgets and big days, and I think we ought to be careful with that. But, you know, we have, we have days we invite friends, and we have a friends and family day. We have, we have this special day and that special day. But you understand, special days are just opportunities for us to lift up Jesus. And uh, if we're not careful, everybody's coming for a meal and for some special music. And uh, they miss the fact that we're to lift up Jesus every day. And uh, as we look at the fame of Jesus, it says they, they came, they took the body of, of uh, John the Baptist, they buried it. He said they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. Prior to this feeding of the 5,000, do you catch the setting? Do you understand where Jesus was? Jesus had mentioned, he had just found out word, by the way, John the Baptist was a relative of Jesus, not just the forerunner of Jesus. That, that he, he certainly uh, uh, knew him more than just an acquaintance. And I don't know about you, have you ever grieved over somebody that was close to you? 
sometimes this is the age group that you begin to lose grandparents. And some of you may have even lost a parent by now. My wife was 14 years old when her mother passed away with cancer. And uh, very devastating, a hard time. Usually what takes place when you receive news of someone you love that has passed away? Many times we find a, a quiet, we call it a quiet place. We don't really refer to it as a desert place. But Jesus was drawing away from those that was around him. It reminds me that he was, he, there was nothing that we have gone through that he has not gone through. That, that there's, noth, there's nothing that he does not understand that, that goes on in our life. Uh, for a moment I was thinking about, you know, you're all going through midterms. And you're thinking, did Jesus ever go through a midterm? Let me remind you, he spent 40 days in the wilderness, hungry. And then his teacher, I say teacher, his quiz came, his quiz came from Satan himself. And you're thinking, well, I know a couple teachers that I think just might be (laughs) kin. You're thinking, man, this test. I'll tell you, you've never been tested like Jesus was tested. And he came forth without sin. There's three things I want you to understand about our God before we ever get into this. One is that he understands. For some reason, we seem so removed. Like we're in a, we're in a generation that may, maybe the Lord just doesn't understand what we're going through. And let me tell you, you're coming up on a, a, a generation of people that do not have a love for God, nor the things of God, nor the place of God. I was watching a, a program the other day that was talking about cults. They said there's two things that make up a cult. Number one, there's always money involved. And number two, there's control. You understand? I believe everything I have belongs to the Lord. And that, that a tenth of it I'm asked to give back to the Lord. Or uh, uh, even more than that, as, as you look into bringing into the storehouse and, and love, uh, a love gift and offering as well as our tithe. And, and so money's involved in what we do today, isn't it? And I believe we ought to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. You understand? The world looks at what we're doing right now as a cult. We we fit the definition now, the world's definition. You know, they hated him, they're going to hate you. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 4 tells us, think it not strange. Think it not strange what? That you're not acting like the Gentiles that you're not acting like this old world. We need to come to three understand. One, he understands. He knows. Secondly, he's not too busy. What happened? He was was trying to get away to mourn the death of John the Baptist in the midst of trying to get away. There was this crowd. By the way, don't blame the crowd. They knew where they could get an answer and where they could get help. But you understand, he wasn't too busy for them. It says he, he saw them, and when he looked out and he saw them, it said he was moved with compassion on them. You know, my eye affecteth my heart, Jeremiah says. Oh, may our heart be affected. We think about Jude, 22, when we think about compassion. 
and some having compassion, making a difference. Jesus made a difference, didn't he? Oh, he was never too busy. May we, get, may we not get to that place where we're too busy or we think we've gotten too big. Oh, he understands. He's not too busy. You'll notice something in the continuation of chap, uh, verse number 14 of chapter 14. Not only do you have compassion toward them, it says, and he healed their sick. I've read the book from cover to cover. I've never found a place in the book where he said, this is too big for me. Death, he ruined every funeral he went to. <laughs> Lazarus, come forth. Oh, she just sleeps. Y'all leave the room for a minute. There's a few I want to see this. There was nothing that was too big. We live in a generation where it's getting wicked. I don't have to tell you that. You live in the same world. You see the same news. You go to the same shopping center. You go to the same Walmart. I've been around for a little while, not quite as long as some that are here. But nowhere in Scripture does it tell me that as the world gets more wicked and wicked that my God gets less powerful. You understand? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think maybe we don't depend on him. I think maybe we don't fear him like a generation before us. But the three truths are this. He understands. He's not too busy. And there's nothing that's too big for him. With that, I'd like to lead into the message on the feeding of the 5,000 where it says, And when it was evening, his disciples came unto him saying, This is a desert place. The time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves vittles. Okay, McDonald's, food, something to eat. You understand? And you say, quit talking like that. We haven't had lunch yet. Let me help you. There's some things that the disciples learned. We just learned three truths about the Savior. Let's look at some truths that the disciples learned. The disciples learned, first of all, that they needed to ask the Lord. That this wasn't their first response, was it? They saw a need. They said, Lord, certainly the answer for this need is that they need to go away. And go get them something to eat. What did Jesus say? He said, no, they don't need to go away. He said, you feed them. Now, it was an impossible request, wasn't it? To look at it and to say, you know, for, for you to feed everybody that's here, how are we going to do it? 5,000 plus women and children. You know, you may look at the world today and think for a moment, what is Ambassador Baptist College? 100 plus students. How are we going to make a difference in the 7 billion, is it 7 billion now? I think it's close to 7 billion people around the world. 
you can't. He's teaching the disciples. You need to ask me. You need to ask me. When was the last time you had a problem and you told the Lord the answer to the problem? I'm going to get transparent for a moment. I dated a very godly young lady in my teenage years for about three or four years. And uh, my mother and father was not for the relationship. You know what I started doing? I started spiritualizing it. Oh, dear Lord, as the rivers of water, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And you turn it whithersoever you Please turn the heart of my parents. Because I had the answer for this. And the answer certainly had to be that my heart, the parent, my, my parents' hearts weren't right with the Lord. And then finally I come to a place where I realize it wasn't their heart, it was mine. Oh, let me help you with something. Sometimes we need not to go to the Lord with the answer. Lord, you provide for this in, in this way. I'm going to go check my mailbox in a minute and I pray that that check is in there. Instead of asking the Lord, hey, Lord, you show me whether I need to go check my mailbox or whether I need to go check some employment in town or ask for some help or let it be known or whatever. Where, what do you want me to do next? I think about David when he came back and Ziklag was burned to the ground. You know what most of us as Christians would have done? Let's go. What did David do? He encouraged himself in the Lord. Then he called for Abathar, said, bring the ephod. I want to ask the Lord, shall we pursue? I think sometimes we have God's answer instead of asking what we ought to do. By the way, was this the first time a multitude had followed Jesus? If you go to Matthew, a few chapters before, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he goes in, he heals. Uh, then, then he comes out of the home, and the crowd is still there. And what does he do? He sends them away. In fact, he, command, he commanded them. He said, go away. Go back. Matthew chapter number 8, I believe, is where it's at. Matthew chapter number 8, verse 16, it says, when the evening was come, at the same time, isn't it, evening? You know, God doesn't always work the same way twice. Sometimes we think, well, this worked last time. Think about Moses. He smote the rock. Second time, he was told not to smote it, but to speak to it. See, Moses run up, this worked last time. And for a child of God, may we come to the place where in everything, in everything, we ask the Lord, oh, is this, is this what I need to do? Do I need to pursue? Do, uh, what would you have? You know the difference between Lot and Abraham? Abraham built altars. You never see where Lot built an altar. Abraham inquired of the Lord. What's the difference between uh, Saul and uh, David? David, continue. You see him asking about the Lord. Saul, 
came to a place where he stopped until he went down to the witch. When his back was against the wall. Sometimes, you know where we end up asking the Lord, oh Lord, when, we're, when our back's against the wall. And then we wonder why we don't hear anything. It's not just prayer. I say that very respectfully. But it's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails. If I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not what? Hear me. May we come to the place where the disciples came. They had the answer for Jesus. Jesus says, no, that's not the answer. Don't send them away. You give them to eat. It said, Jesus said unto them in verse number 16 of chapter number 14, but Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. By the way, where did those five loaves and two fishes come from? In another gospel, it mentions a little lad who gave. What did Jesus do? He said, bring them hither to me. You know, the disciples had to learn obedience. Oh, but this is all I got. Five loaves, two fish, this is it. Certainly it's not going to be enough for everybody. Certainly this is going to fall short. How many cans of tuna and loaves of bread would it take to feed 5,000? A heap of them. If you're trying to feed five, you'd have a, you'd have a bread truck sitting out front. You say, it's not enough. And you may be sitting here today saying, what's my life? It's not enough. But let me tell you, when it's placed in the hands of Jesus, when it's, he doesn't ask you, hey, go feed the 5,000. Uh, but well, wait a minute, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to be obedient. Can you see the sarcasm of the disciples? Jesus says, feed them. He's like, <laughs> with this? With just a few loaves, a couple fishes. I love this. Not only did they need to learn obedience, but they needed to sit still. What's the next thing he did? He set them down. I think sometimes we just need to be still and know that he's God. Oh, then the next thing, this gets good. Who's the first people that got to eat? It says this, he set them down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes. And he looking up to heaven, he blessed, break, and gave the loaves to his disciples you're never going to be able to take something to this world that you've never taken yourself he said he gave first to the disciples and the disciples it uses this this wording look closely 
that he gave to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat. All of them. Who got it first? The disciples. I think they learned that before they could give, that they had to receive. What are the lessons? We need to go to the place where we ask of the Lord, even the things that we think we may have the answer to. Because God doesn't always work the same way. Oh, we must eat first. Then we must proceed with the instructions to give. To give. We have been given so much. Would we hold on to it for ourselves? What an example. What did Jesus do? Let's look at this for just a moment. He blessed, he broke, and he gave. Do you understand? God the Father, when God the Son was baptized, he said, look, I'm well pleased. Oh, there was a blood. He was broke at Calvary. And then he gave himself for who? For you and I. What a picture for us. Will we go to a place where we are looking for the blessing from the Lord? I set before you this day a blessing and a cursing. Oh, if you obey, there's a blessing. If you disobey, there's a cursing. When I think about this verse, I can't help but think of my grandmother. My grandmother had a, uh, a uh, what do you call those big fancy, fancy uh, things they put in a, a dining room uh, for dishes. A china cabinet, that's what it is. I'm from Kentucky, okay? It's just a shelf for dishes, okay? The fancy ones that you only use at Thanksgiving and Christmas. When my grandmother passed away, me and my wife were able to receive that china cabinet. But in that china cabinet, I'll never forget, when we, when we got it, I told my wife, I said, okay, you can put whatever you want in this thing. I said, but there's one drawer. It had two drawers in it. So there's one drawer, that's my drawer. Because every time we went to grandma's house, that drawer always had candy and snacks in it. So I was like, we will have candies and snacks in that drawer. In honor of my grandmother. <laughs> but there was something else in that drawer. There was a fly swatter that was in that drawer. My grandmother never killed a fly with that fly swatter. <laughs> that fly swatter was for the disobedient. And I, I thought every fly swatter ought to come with directions. <laughs> because she would grab the wrong end of that. Some of you in here may not understand this completely, okay? You older ones know what I'm talking about. 
Nowadays, all the fly swatters are plastic all the way from top to bottom. I lived in a day <laughs> where the top part of that fly swatter looked like a metal coat hanger. And she would run that thing. And she, I knew she, she didn't wear her glasses enough. She, didn't, she, she needed to go back because she would never hit the right spots. She walked that thing from the backside of my knee all the way up. I was abused. In fact, I'm still checking to see if the statutes of limitation have run out on that one. Bring her back up from the grave. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. They learned the greatest blessings come from the Lord. Is our desire to be placed in the hands of the one who made us? And for him, man, the Bible talks about if he lifts you up. If we lift ourselves up, we're in trouble. But if he lifts us up, oh, the blessing. When he lifts it up, he says, blessed are thou. By the way, he's, he said that about some people in scripture, didn't he? You consider my servant Job, who at the heart of being tested, said, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What about Mary? Blessed art thou among, among women. Oh, may we come to the place where we seek a blessing and approval of the Lord. Listen to a podcast not too long ago. It says, you know, we're not out to please anybody or impress. It said impress. We're not out to impress anybody, but we have one that we're trying to please. May we have the desire to please the Lord and not worry about impressing man. The fear of man bringeth a snare. The fear of the Lord brings wisdom. May we come to this place where we seek the blessing that comes from above. But you know what we have to go through sometimes in order to be used? We have to be broken. We have to be broken. My will needs to be broken. My pride needs to be broken. My way needs to be broken. And when all of this that we give to him and he breaks, it's amazing when we give something and then we expect it to be treated a certain way. Have you ever given a gift and you saw how somebody treated the gift and you were like, I wish I never gave it to them. Oh, when we give ourselves seeking his blessing and he takes and he begins. You know, sometimes you have to break something before you can fix it. Sometimes, sometimes you have to tear something down in order to fix something up. My wife, she likes watching those, 
those uh, renovation shows. And they, they go in, and what's the first thing they do? It's demo day. Demo day. Let's tear this wall down and let's open this up and rip these floors up. And these cabinets, they got to go. You know what? You know what we need to do, spiritually speaking? We need to let the Holy Spirit have a demo day. We need to let him come in and start tearing some things out so that he can bring some things in and make it new. I love this idea of surrender. We sing the song, I surrender all. I surrender. You know, we got the mindset. I'm going to give my age away. You remember watching the cartoons? And I believe it was, I believe it was Bugs Bunny. I don't even remember which one now. One of, the, one of the cartoon characters, they had a castle on one side and another guy had a castle on the other side. He'd come in and he'd run, run the flag up. He'd go over and, 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 and it was like, almost like when you ran the flag up of surrender, they came in and they pillaged. Let me tell you, that's the mindset that we have today. That if you surrender to the Lord, that you're going to lose everything. No, my God, when he comes in, he doesn't pillage. He makes all things new. He comes in and renovates and makes things right. He blessed. He broke it. And in the yielding of this breaking, he gave. He gave it back. Who was the one that gave him the fishes and the loaves? We say the lad, but the lad gave it to the disciples and the disciples gave it to who? Jesus. And then Jesus, after he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it back. And he says, you eat and then give to the multitude to eat. You imagine the disciples Disciples are learning something here. I can imagine for a moment them looking at the broken bread and fishes. Um, maybe Doubting Thomas looks over and goes, It's the same fish. He just gave us back the same thing we gave him. <laughs> We still have 5,000 people. <laughs> As they ate. And then they got up. You know, there's a time that we ought to get up. There's a work to do. You can't live in the stillness. You can spend... A lot of time saying, be still and know that I am God. But once you know that he is God, it's time to take what has been given back to you. A lot of you have been given some things through study, through prayer, 
through service. Then there's going to come a time when you're going to have to face the multitude with what you've been given right here. But be reminded, what he has given you is enough. In fact, not just enough, there's more than enough. Because it said, not only did they eat, but everyone there, all, all, for all come short of the glory of God. But whosoever, whosoever, I wonder how many people that day went without. According to my Bible, it says nobody did. All those that come to Jesus, all that come to him, all that look, Oh, what do we know about our our Lord? He understands. He's not too busy. There's nothing too hard for my God. What do we know about our walk as a disciple of Jesus? A volunteer. So we started out. I volunteered when I was 14 years old. I've never left the lines. I pray that, and I've done this lately, I prayed the Lord would take me home if I ever come to a place where I would bring a reproach on the Lord. There's a lot of preachers that have fallen. And I'm not saying I'm above falling, but I pray the Lord allows me to go home before I ever fall. If I ever get to a place, just take me home early. Oh, because what he has is sufficient. What have we learned? When we think we have the answer, we still need to ask. We still need to ask him for direction. They learn to ask. They learn to obey. They learn to sit. They learn to eat of what the Lord had. And then they learned to go. Go. Take what has been given and go. Because what we have is the answer. There's nothing new under the sun. The more I look at this Bible, the more I read, the more I see this generation of people being talked about and the answers for this generation being found right here. May we learn the process. The disciples learn the process. Lord, I need your blessing. Lord, I need your renovation. May I be broken. And then, Lord, as you have given me, may I give to others. He gave me everlasting life. May I share that gospel. He's given me, he's given me victory over sin. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. May I encourage others that they can have victory. They can have salvation. They can have victory. They can have a relationship. You understand, heaven is a byproduct of salvation. We don't seek to get men into heaven, but we seek to get God into man. Here, 
That's why he said he gives us the earnest of the Holy Spirit. My son just bought a house a couple weeks ago. He put down what they call earnest money. You know what happens to earnest money? Earnest money goes like this. If they accept his offer and for any reason he backs out, they keep the earnest money that he gave. Do you understand when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives you the Holy Spirit and for no reason he gets it back? Inside you, the Holy Spirit of God is. That's why we ought to be careful where we go, what we say, what we do. Because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And one day when he comes back, he finishes, can I say finishes the payment? We know the payment's already been made. It was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll get that glorified body and therefore we then can stand before God the Father. But it's because of the earnest of the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit does for us now? It helps us along the way. Helps us to understand his word. Whole nother message in itself. But as we leave, my God understands. He's not too busy. There's nothing too big. May we as disciples not hesitate to ask that we would walk in such a way that we would be willing to be broken so that he could give back and so that we can make the difference that he's intended for us to make.